Welcome to the Fellowship Regional Church Podcast. Acts chapter 16. Starting verse 9, the Apostle Paul is with his friend Silas. It is at nighttime. They're asleep. And Paul has this vision, verse 9. During the night, Paul had a vision of a man of Macedonia standing and begging him, come over to Macedonia and help us. After Paul seen the vision, We got up ready at once to leave for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. Okay, so I want to give you just that little piece, and now let me tell you the story. So they leave, and they they head to Macedonia, and the biggest city in the Macedonian district uh, there in Greece is Philippi, which at the time um, was, was was a large, large area. It's the biggest city in Macedonia. And the uh they get there and and they begin to look for a place to worship they're looking for a place to worship it says a place of prayer so what they do is they go down to the river and which is kind of interesting to me when i read it that they went down to the river to pray some of you i hear you say stuff like that all the time like you will you'll talk about you know one of the things is good for me sometimes i like to go down there and sit i like to go down there and i like to fish i like to just sit I just like to be there. So they go down looking for a place to pray. They meet a gal named Lydia. And um, she is a dealer in purple cloth, I think is what it, is what it says. And um, while they're talking to her, it says that God opens up her heart and they're preaching the gospel and she accepts the message of Jesus Christ and she becomes a convert to Christianity. Although she was already a believer in God and a worshiper of God, she becomes a convert to Christianity. It says immediately they went from there to her house to where everybody there was baptized. Liddy says, Liddy says, uh, if, you, if you consider me a believer, a born-again Christian, then stay with us at our house. And so they said, okay, that would be, that would be great. And so they begin to have these conversations. Let me, let me jump in here and read this to you. <clears throat> from there they traveled to Philippi, a Roman colony, leading city of the district of Macedonia, and they stayed there several days. I, I apologize. So they, they have Lydia's conversion. And so um, on the Sabbath, we went outside the city. They gathered at the river, get to verse 16. Once when we were going to the place of prayer, back down by the river, listen to what happens. There is a slave girl who keeps marching out in front of them saying, check this out. It's kind of like a hype guy. Do you know what a hype guy is? Like, it's the guy that announces people who's, ladies and gentlemen, for your viewing entertainment, the hype guy. It's kind of like this. This slave girl is walking in front of Paul and Silas, and she keeps saying, they're here to preach to you the message of Jesus Christ. Part of the deal in sharing our faith is this thing about The timing's got to be right. The situation's got to be right. And if you're springing it on people all the time, oh, great, here comes the preacher. Look this way, go this way, go this way. You know what I mean? Like, ah, I wasn't going to church. I didn't go to church. Now he's going to say something. What are we going to do? Panic. Like, ah, you know? 
And this girl is walking in front of them day after day. They're here to preach the gospel. They're here to preach the gospel. They're here to preach the gospel. You know what they're doing here? Here to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. This, this slave girl keeps doing this over and over and over. And I imagine at first it was a little confusing. Like, why does she do this? This is weird. But she's got, the, she's got the, um, this weird gift of clairvoyance, and it's not a gift. What you find out later is that it's a demon. So this woman is demon-possessed. This girl is demon-possessed. And what they do, her slave owners, the owners, they use her to make money. So she foretells the future, and the, and the people who own this little slave girl, they get money from it. So in the middle of this deal, as they're coming down the street, here she comes out on the street again. Guess who's coming? It's the preachers. It's the preachers. And Paul turns around, and he says, in the name of Jesus, come out. Like this. And all of a sudden, this demon comes out, and it doesn't happen anymore. Because she goes home, and then, of course, you know, they're trying to kick the business off again. And the slave owners are like, all right, so, uh, so tell this guy's future. And she's like, I got nothing. Like, I got nothing. What's the, what's the problem? I got, there's nothing. I got, can't do it. It's broke. The slave owners get irate. Irate. They grab Paul and Silas. They drag him into the town square and they beat them profusely. Then they drag him in front of the magistrates and here's the, here's the indictment that they put on them. These people are teaching things. These people are teaching things that do not work here. It goes against everything. They're just rabble rousers is all they are. They're just trying to cause a stir everywhere they go. They're nothing but trouble. Now time out. Paul and Silas didn't have a little demon-possessed slave girl that they were exploiting, did they? No, but these guys did. And all of a sudden, now they're the problem. Take them into the city. They beat them. Then it says, you know what? Put them in jail. So they take them to jail. It says that they were so irritated or committed to this process that they said, put them, on an inner, put them in an inner cell. Not just a cell that, you know, could say, I want them on the inside, like in the dark. To put them in there in the dark. So it's at nighttime, and they're in there, and they're singing praises and, and hymns and, and talking. And, and Paul is just, you can imagine, like, Paul's just thrilled, like, so I wonder what God's going to do next, which is not what I would be thinking, you know. I'd be thinking, somebody call Lobber Bail Bonds. i got to get out of here. You know, this is a, it's a disaster, you know. And so they, they're in there, and they're trying to figure this. I mean, they're just, they're just praying and, and doing their thing. And, and all of a sudden, there's an earthquake, it shakes so hard, it opens up the doors of the jail. Now, check this out. This gets a little mysterious. And all the chains fell off. Now, listen. If there's an earthquake that shakes so hard, it makes your chains fall off? What? I think there's something else at, at play here. It opens up. When the Roman soldiers sees that the jail doors are wide open, of course, you know prisoners are fleeing. I mean, just racing out. This guy's going to get he's going to get ran through when they figure out. So you were on duty when this happened. You couldn't contain anybody. You got a sword. They got nothing. They're in chains. No, 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 no. I don't think you understand. All the chains fell off. Oh, yeah, I bet they did. <laughs> sure they did. The chains always fall off. You know, you padlock them on. You know how padlocks are, right? Shackles. They just sometimes, whatever. He pulls his own sword, and he's just like, I'm going to do it myself. And he goes to fall on his own sword, and Paul and Silas see him, and they go, whoa, 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 stop. We're in here. We didn't go anywhere. And the guy's like, hold on. 
listen, what do, we, what do I need to do to be saved? And listen, I don't think the question here is, what do I need to do to be saved from my boss who's going to come and run me through for losing all the prisoners? And I don't think he's asking, what must I do to give my heart to Jesus? I don't think he's asking that either. Here's what I think he's asking. Ever since you showed up, stuff got really weird, and you seem to be in charge of a lot of stuff. You cast a demon out of a slave girl who's been running a whole, a whole scheme for a long time. You come in here, the jail breaks wide open, and all the chains fall off. Are you kidding me? I don't know who you belong to, but I don't want him mad at me. How am I saved? How can I be saved from whatever in the world is going on in here? And Paul's answer is, Jesus. See, they go to his house. You know what they do? Baptize everybody in the house. And then they go back to the jail. Binds up their wounds, takes care of them, puts them back in the jail to save this guy. Then they bring him out and they're like, okay, um, so there was a little bit of a misunderstanding. A little bit of a misunderstanding. Verse 35. When it was daylight, the magistrates sent their officers to the jailer with the order, release those men. I don't know what happened, but in the middle of the, the chains falling off and the earthquake and the jail and everything, everybody else seems to be convinced that maybe something else is going on. Release those men, the jailer, t and, and then... Uh, the jailer told Paul, the magistrates have ordered that you and Silas be released. You can now leave and go in peace. Listen to what happens next. And I love this. It's so cool. But Paul said to the officers, they beat us publicly without a trial, even though we are Roman citizens and threw us into a prison. And now they want, us to, they want to get rid of us quietly. Oh, heck to the no. <laughs> Let them come themselves and escort us out. The officer reported this to the magistrates. When they heard that Paul and Silas were Roman citizens, they were alarmed. They came to appease them and escorted them from the prison, requesting them to leave the city. Now we're requesting them to leave the city. After Paul and Silas came out of the prison, they went to Lydia's house, where they met with the brothers and encouraged them. Then they left. If you were a Roman citizen and you belong, here's what I... This is our world. This is the world we live in. I know this is going to step on toes and you're going to have to just going to deal with it over your lunch. But check this out. We live in a world to where everybody is saying we need to be more tolerant of everybody else. And then you say, I'm a Republican and I voted for Trump. <laughs> what happens next? Exactly. Or you can say, you know what? I think we need to love each other and we need to be... Um, we need to be more kind to one another. And the church says, I agree. And then somebody says, I'm pro-choice. And the church says, murderer. Listen, times are not different than they were then. They were not different. We don't live in some kind of, this is so crazy. Listen, this is the only area you've ever lived in. So of course it feels crazy. But if you lived back there, did you see what just happened? What just happened was this very thing. Um, we know good and well that, you know, people are different and it's no big deal. Roman citizens are better, but... So we grab these guys, we beat them publicly without a trial, complete misuse of justice, throw them in prison, and then they're like, oh, by the way, I'm a Roman citizen. Oh, we thought you were somebody else, you know? My bad. The world has not changed. It has not changed. 
It is always this way. There's always going to be this bigotry. There's always going to be this elitism. There's always going to be this racism. It's always going to exist. It's going to be in these corners of the world with any group that you find. But answer me this. When I look at a story like Paul and Silas in prison, the casting out of this demon, this whole thing about the jail doors just breaking wide open and the chains falling off, I think to myself, and even as I was writing, I was thinking about some of you, like, how many times have you wished that God would show up in your life like that? Like, <laughs> yo, I got shackles too, homie. I mean, they ain't metal, but I got them. And I desperately want to be broke free from them. But I ain't feeling no earthquake here. Where is he? Is he coming? We all want to meet him in that place of, I hear these stories, but where is God? Like, I don't see him just racing through the door, kicking it down, chopping some chains off my hands and saying, let's roll, let's roll. But then I got to thinking about it and I realized a couple of things. It's kind of like a bus stop. If you live in a city and you want to ride the bus, you can't stay home and ride the bus. Do you know where you have to go? <laughs> to the bus stop. Why? Because that's where you get picked up. Let me put it in words that you might understand from some of our own prophets. 1990, 1991, all right? Some of our own prophets. You're very familiar with it. You might not think you are, but very familiar with this. It was 700 fence posts from your place to ours. Sometimes it was raining, and sometimes it would shine, and we wore out that gravel road between your house and mine. Diamond Rio, 1991. I start walking your way, you start walking mine. Right. If you want to meet God and see him come through in a powerful way, like you better be on your way to go and doing something amazing, right? You just want him to come by, pick you up at your house, take you to go do something amazing and drop you off when he's done? Seems a little weak. Why don't you meet him there on your way to go do something amazing? See, this is what the faith part of the Christian run comes in. This is where it comes in. Is that our responsibility is to take a step forward in faith. Go to Hebrews chapter 11 if you want, and you take a look. Faith is uh, the definition, the way they, they, they talk about it in Hebrews 11. It is the evidence of things unseen. Okay, it's that idea. This idea that it's the evidence of things unseen unseen, <clears throat> being sure of what you hope for and certain of what you do not see. There's a certain aspect to where I believe that God is doing something in my life and now it's time for me to step up and head that direction. And if you go to Hebrews 11, what you'll find as you read down through the list is there's a number of people who they felt like God was saying, do this thing and they took a step and started doing it and then God showed up. No. If we want to see God do amazing things, then we also have to be on our way to do amazing things. Like, that's where God shows up. 
There's a certain aspect of that that belongs to us. Like we get up and we move that direction. And when we do, what happens? He shows up beside us. 1 Thessalonians. Chapter 2. You know, brothers, that our visit to you was not a failure. We had previously suffered and been insulted in Philippi, as we just talked about. As you know, but with the help of our God, we dared to tell you this gospel in spite of the strong opposition. What Paul is saying is, listen, you can't hold me. That's it. You think I'm scared? Did you know where I just came from? I just got out of jail for free. Like my whole world was messed up just a minute ago. And God broke me free from there. What do you think I'm going to go, what do you think I'm going to do now? Go home and, you know, watch another episode on Netflix? Just go hang out? Just go, just relax a little while? Paul says, absolutely not. Listen, God is obviously with me. I can't be harmed. I'm going. And see, for us, it's the same thing. You want to see God show up? You want him to do amazing things? Then be on your way to do something amazing. Be on your way to reach out to other people. Be on your way to share something that he has done in your life. There's the second thing that happens. Let me read this to you. He says, for the appeal that we make does not spring from error, impure motives, nor are we trying to trick you. On the contrary, we speak as men approved by God and to be entrusted with the gospel. We are not trying to please men, but God who testifies our, who tests our hearts. You know we never use flattery, nor did we put on a mask to cover up our greed. God is our witness. We were, looking, we were not looking for praise for men, not from you or anyone else. Second thing that Paul points out is this, that for us, when we decide, you know what, we want to grow the church. We want to get the message out to other people. Like we have only one option, and that's this, stick to the script. See, there's this thing about how do, we, how do we get this message across? How do we tell that story? We have to stick to the script. We can't water it down. We can't say, ah, don't worry about it. It's no big deal. We also can't say, yep, yeah, hey, they're definitely going to hell. That's for sure. We can't. It's like this. If you go to the doctor and they give you a prescription and they say to you, take two of these every single day, just go ahead and raise your hand if you never finish the bottle. Oh, yeah? You're there, huh? You're told to take every single one of them for 10 solid days. As soon as you got the feeling better, what'd you do? You threw it in the garbage. What is wrong with you? The doctor knows more than you, but you're like, nah, I feel better. I don't have to take these anymore. Okay, super, super. You don't take half a dose just because you think that's good enough. And it's the same with us. When we're sharing the message of the, of the gospel, when we're talking to other people and we're encouraging other people, listen, we don't go light on the truth. We also don't come in heavy-handed either, do we? Subtracting the love of God from it. We don't come in, you know, throwing a combination. I'm going to get him. I'm going to get them right with Jesus today, you know? It's not that. But we also don't water it down. We stick to the script. And what Paul says is, listen, I didn't use flattery, which flattery is pretty indicative of a hidden agenda, you know? It's kind of like, oh, Yeah. So I uh, heard you got a new job. Yeah, and you were knocking it out of the park. That's super. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's, it's going really well. Well, that is awesome. Man, I'm so proud of you. Man, I can't, 
can't believe how well you're doing. You know, hanging in there, being the man of the house, being good for your family. That is so awesome. Yeah, 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 it's good, good. But the money's even better. The money, the money's better, it's better. That's so good. <clears throat> Can I borrow some money? Flattery is always indicative of some hidden agenda. That's not our goal. We're not stepping into the lives of other people and saying things like, oh, let me build you up. Let me, let me build you up because like when I tell you the real gospel message, you're going to be really sad about it. It's really going to be disappointing. It's also not that other side to where we're using trickery. We're not coming at them and saying, you know, listen, you need to repent, get your life right. You better get right with Jesus. You're going to burn all day. Like this is, it's rough. Tell the truth, stick to the script. Here's the third thing. I want to show you this. Starting in uh, 6b, chapter 2, 6b. As apostles of Christ, we could have not, we could, I'm sorry, we could have, we could have been a burden, but we were gentle among you. Check this out. Like a mother caring for little children, we loved you so much that we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel message, but our lives as well, because you had become so dear to us. Surely you remember, brothers, our toil and hardship that we worked night and day in order to not be a burden to anyone while we preached the gospel of God to you? Verse 10, you are witnesses, and so is God, of how holy, righteous, and blameless we were among you. Verse 11, for you know that we dealt with each one of you as a father deals with his own children, encouraging them, comforting them, and urging you to live lives worthy of God who calls you into his kingdom and to his glory. In a culture that we live in right now to where we cannot stop arguing about gender identity or pronouns um, or, 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 or anything, do you see what Paul just did? Paul, number one, elevates the importance of family just right out of the gates. How did I deal with you personally when I came to you? He says, I treated you like a mother treats a child. I treated you like a father treats a child. So he elevates this standard and he, t and he takes it and he moves up and he goes, this is what heaven's standard is. This is what heaven's idea of family should look like. He also takes it and he, he emphasizes the role of men and women in the world. Listen, the roles are different. Listen, we can have similar jobs and we can have similar personalities and we can operate in similar ways, but your role in your wiring is going to be different. This is the way that you are made. Sure, there's gonna be some variation, but in general, men tend to operate this way. Women tend to operate this way. There are roles that serve them well, and there are roles that serve men well. And there's, there's no shame in any of that. And so Paul puts these things in there. And he also says this. This is a picture of what, of what to do. If you want to become a good parent, he outlines it right here. Three for the women, three for the men. You want to be a good parent? Don't know where to start? Start right there with these three. Listen to what it says. Like a mother caring. We were gentle among you, like a mother caring for her little children. We loved you, and we were delighted to share everything with them. All right? So gentle, comforting, right? Gentle, comforting, and generous. This is what I love. This is what I love about mothers, okay? This first word, gentle, this is the word become unenlightened. How am I supposed to share the gospel with other people? Paul says, when we came to you, how did we do it? We came to you unenlightened, unlearned is what he says. 
like a mother is with children. Now that sounds kind of strange, but check this out. Have you ever seen a mom deal with a kid? A kid comes racing in, Mom, you're never gonna let, you're never gonna believe what I learned today at school. Like what? What, what? what did you learn today? I learned how to spell red. And the mom says, Really? How do you spell red? R um E um D. Wow, that is so good. Unlearned. She handles her children in an unlearned way. You know what dads do? Hey, I learned how to spell red. Good, it's about time. <laughs> I thought she was going to be an idiot forever. <laughs> it's different. Comforting. It talks about that we loved you. It's this comforting idea. It's nurture. Yeah, dads are super at that. I mean, I'm not saying some of us are not good at that. Some of us are good at that. But for the most part, not the thing we're known for, right? That guy can swing a hammer. Oh, okay. That guy's a real nurturer. That's weird. <laughs> I mean, that's just saying. I'm just saying, like, that's typically kind of the way that goes. The other word that's, that's used under, underneath there, generous. And this is moms to a T. Good moms, this is what they do. It's a change of ownership. Kids think they own everything. They think they own everything. Well, this is my room. Oh, is it your room? Did you pay for it? Did you hang the door? No, I hung the door. I bought the house. I bought the paint, and I painted it too. That terrible aqua blue, I painted it. Your room? Your room? Mothers? Oh my goodness, your room is so pretty. You did so good. That is so nice. It's a change of ownership. They hand it over to them. Oh, wow. Mommy, would you like a cookie? A cookie that I bought from, for myself, from the store, for me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would love to have one of my own cookies. No, that's not what a mother does. It's what a dad would do. It's what a mom does. A mom goes like this. Oh, thank you. How do we present the gospel? Not as a know-it-all. Not as a know-it-all. You humble yourself. Listen, just because you know Jesus doesn't mean you're better than them. So check yourself at the door. You might learn something from this person about your Lord that you did not know. Second part is this. He says that we came at them, we came at you as men, as fathers. The first one is this, admonishing you. You know what that is? Scold. Ah. Uh. No. Advise. Listen, come here. Hey, let me talk to you. We don't do that. We don't act this way. We do this. We stop crying. This is not how we act when we're in public. You don't act like this at home. You don't act like this here. You understand? Yeah, I understand. Okay, thank you. Come on, let's go. Advise. Console. Dads, it's okay to console. Oh, you all right? Oh, buddy, I'm sorry. But dads, what do we typically say? Oh, come on. Hey, I'm Put some dirt in it. You'll be fine. Just rub a little dirt in it. What he says is, no, it's okay to console them. And the other one is this, urge. Urge them. It's commission. It's commission. Give them a purpose. Commission them. You are going to be this. This is what dads do. Listen, when my mom says that I'm good at something, I think to myself, like, I'm not good at this. But if a dad comes along and a dad says, hey, that's good. You're good at that. 
I'm proud of you. I'm walking around like I got a brand new haircut, you know? Amped up. Because why? Because my dad just, he stamped me. Says I'm good. Says I'm on it. So this is what he's saying. When we came to you, this is how we treated you. There's times we step into each other's life. Uh, Proverbs 27, 17. As iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. So I got curious about what the words mean. As iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens his friend. But the word is not necessarily sharpens his friend. It hardens his battlefront. That means we stand in front of each other and go like this. Something's wrong with that deal. You need to check it. Hardens each other's battlefront. Like... In your grill, like, I see your weak in this area. I see your weak in this area. Because, look, dudes, here's what's great about guys. Like, we can do that to each other, and you're not going to go home and pout to your wife or put it on Facebook. <laughs> Chicks can't do it, you know? Chicks can't do it. But dudes can. Like, dudes can get mad. Look, what are you going to do? You're going to be a bigger baby about it, and then I'm going to laugh at you about that? Of course. No, that's, we got to move on. So here's it. So we, we harden each other's battlefront. Like, how, how, am I doing okay? Am I doing okay here? Yeah, you get that one deal that's kind of weird. I think we need to fix that. So what do I need to do? You need to do this. Okay, and we harden each other's battlefront. We commission one another. We stand in the gap for one another. I can check you and you can check me and you can see that I'm off. I can see that you're off. The perspective is different. That's the beauty of it. And so what we do when we're presenting the gospel to other people or preaching a message to other people, we are saying to them, Listen, you're going to be good at this. I've sat down with several people and said, <laughs> one of them comes to mind. Um, guy was talking to me and he was telling me that he wasn't a Christian and didn't know if he believed that way. And he was telling me all these other things that he is, though, that he cares about as far as being a dad and a husband and, and all these things. And, and the only thing that kept running through my head was this. I don't know why you're not on our team. Because you're good at this already. Like you have some of that just natural tendency to just be, listen, if you ever become a Christian, you're going to be a great one. You're going to be a great one. And that is a great compliment to somebody who's an unbeliever. Paul says, this is how we handle other people, with the gentleness of a mother and with the instruction and the wisdom of a father. Okay, last thing, then we'll go. Sorry it's taking so long. He gets to the end of ch uh, chapter 2, verse 17. But brothers, when, you were torn away, when we were torn away from you for a short time, <clears throat> in person, but not in thought, out of our intense longing, we made every effort to see you, for we wanted to come to you. Certainly, I, Paul, did again and again, but Satan stopped us. Verse 19, for what is our hope, our joy, our crown, in which we will glory in the presence of the Lord Jesus when he comes? Is it not you? Indeed, you are our glory and our joy. Final thought. Jesus is coming. Paul ends every single one of his little, um, uh, closes out his thoughts with, the, with this conclusion, Jesus is coming. He's coming. Jesus is coming. He's on his way. He's going to be here. He's coming for us. Jesus is coming. And when he gets here, I'm going to be wearing a crown. This is what Paul says. I'm going to be wearing a crown on my head. He's going to look at me, and he's going to see me, and I'm going to be wearing a crown on top of my head. And do you know what that crown is going to be? You. My crown is going to be you. 
Paul says, when Jesus gets here, I'm going to have something to give him. See, in the book of Revelation, it says that the elders surrounding the throne of God at, at various times will fall down on the ground and they will take off their crowns and they will lay them at the feet of Jesus. They will have this, this crown on their head and they will lay it down at the feet of Jesus. If he returns, will you have a crown? Will you have a crown to give him? A crown of, of, that, is, that, is that is composed of the souls and the people who you've left an impact on? Will you have a crown to take off and hand over to him and say, listen, you're the king. This is the best crown I could get you while you were gone. Will you have one? Paul says, when he gets here, I'm going to be wearing this crown on my head, and this crown is you. That's how important you are to me. This is what you mean to me. See, our goal, we don't just grow the church in the sense of put more people in here. What we're doing is we're taking the message of Jesus Christ and we're putting it out there into, in, in a way to where people hear it and they go, I need to know who he is. And see, for us, it's this whole task of when he gets here, I want to have a crown on my head that I can take off and I can, give it to, I can give it to him and I can say, this is what I've been doing while you're gone. And I know it's been up a little bit, tarnished in places. It's a couple jewels that have fallen out of it. But this is what I've done while you're gone. What is yours? 